So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 265 for May 31st, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about whether people sitting in the office are out of touch with the people in the field. So turn off your air conditioning in solidarity with your field crews because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. We had a good pre-show, so we're all we're all jazzed up for this. But uh, joining me today is Heather in Southern California. Hey guys, what's up? That was Heather in Southern California. You went that out. Was supposed you to went be. out. We couldn't God, hear right. your. And I guess. <laughs> oh. Hi everybody. All right. And then Andrew, also in Southern California. Hey guys, how's it going? And He's getting double your time, Chris. Yeah. I'll cut it out. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> That's it for Doug. I swear we haven't been drinking. It's eight o'clock in the morning here on the on the uh, west coast of the United States. Doug may have been, but uh, we. we Dude, it's, it's like almost five here. So I know, right? <laughs> so, and I'm actually in the central coast in one of our favorite areas, San Luis Obispo, California. It's it's just. I don't know. It's awesome up here. Anytime it's hot anywhere else, it's like 65 here. And it's just, I don't know. It's amazing. I love the area. We did some wine tasting in the Edna Valley region yesterday and just some, some really good stuff. And yeah, it's a, it's a fun place to be, but uh, you know, it's not a fun place to be sometimes Facebook. And Mm. I want to talk about this because (laughs) we'll, we'll get to the topic for today, which is Heather's topic. and, And she saw a post in one of the groups that we reference all the time. And we'll talk about it here, but in, in discussing this in the pre-show, Doug actually mentioned that he's kind of left Facebook. Well, not left. He's still there, but 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 stopped kind of paying attention to it and paying attention to things like Archaeofield Text because of some of the comments and, and a little bit of the toxicity that can happen in the comment sections and even in some of the posts, to be honest. But a lot of the posts that are bad get moderated. And in fact, some of the comments get moderated. I was mentioning I'm a, I'm a moderator of the Archaeofield Text group on Facebook. And if you're not part of that... You can join it. I will tell you right now, if you answer the three questions, which are very simple, you'll get in right away. If you don't answer the questions, I have to moderate you or one of the other two moderators. And if I look at your Facebook profile and it's completely locked down and I can't even tell you're an archaeologist, then I hit the decline button and you don't come in, right? If you bring somebody else in and you recommend them to the group, if they don't see that and then go answer the questions, I have to do the same thing and go see if they're actually an archaeologist by their Facebook profile. Most people have that locked down. And rightly so, probably. But uh, it means I can't let you in. So I'm just I'm just saying right there, if you want to come in, answer the questions and it lets you in right away. You don't have to be moderated. But the point is, there's a lot of stuff over there that's total garbage. Right. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just how people are. And I feel like it's the responsibility of people who are I don't know who've been doing this for a little while, um, who have some insight to really kind of cut through the crap over there and help people out because that's what they're ultimately asking for. I mean, people mostly come in there and say, I'm struggling with this or I want this. And you're going to get 85 comments and 40 of them are going to be jackass old people that are just like or cynical people that are just like, oh, why are you even in this field? You should get out. You know, you should go, you know, work at Target. They're going to say stuff like that. And I feel like it's the responsibility of everybody else to say, no, I mean, come on, this is this is the way it is. Here's some good resources. There's actually cool people here. And and this is a this is a good thing to do with your life, you know, and because if, if all the people who actually think that way get out of it, the two thousand five hundred plus members that are over in that group are, are just going to have no support. I mean, they're literally just going to have no support. And I don't think that's good for the world either. Right. If we want more people in this field and we want them to you know, succeed, then that's the place where they're at. 
There's no other social media venue where they're doing that kind of thing. Literally none. Maybe Mastodon, but who knows about Mastodon? It's too chaotic over there. Maybe Twitter, but it's also chaotic over there. It's literally no other social media platform aside from maybe LinkedIn, which also nobody's using like this, where you can have a group and you can ask a question of your peers and get these sorts of responses and answers. Because, I mean, some of them are really good. So I don't know. I had to kind of soapbox that just a little bit because, (laughs) Doug, I think you have valuable insights to tell to people. And if you could just cut through the BS and ignore the acidic comments that are over there and just put down your own insights and link to some of your great blog posts and some of the the videos up on recording archaeology and some of the resources that you have that could cut through some of the shit, don't you think? Uh, well, so this is a slightly different context than what we were discussing, like pre <laughs> pre uh, pre podcast. So I mean, not I, really, though. I, I'm I'm slightly torn in that, like I I do appreciate that some people go there to ask questions, but I do find that, and this is you know UK and North American archaeology groups like there's just like a a horrendous amount of of stuff out there that's it's quite a waste of time and also like some of those questions people like could have dropped that into google first (laughs) and got like a bunch of resources that would have answered their question in fact of like most of most of what i hate and this is not everything that's on there Probably like 95% of it, no, I'll, I'll say like 90% of it could have just been simply answered by Googling instead of like trying to take up other people's time. Sure. And it, 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 it's the same. And a lot of times it's the same questions, you know, year after year, you see the same ones come up um, and like the same answers which is usually like, hey, have you heard of Chris Webster's book on like how to survive archaeology? <laughs> Go check it out. Nobody's There's a whole ever chapter on what you're asking about. <laughs> Literally, that post has never happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's not but true. It, I've it, seen that. I've seen yeah. it. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. It's happened, Chris. <laughs> Bill, trying. at least. Bill's done it. I've seen Bill do it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Man, yeah. So like there's, there's stuff like that. And then I, I just like – the worst is like – probably the other five, ten percent is it's just people with like will put out opinions and they're the worst informed opinions ever. Mm-hmm. Like I it's just such a such a time sink and that like I'm just thinking of stuff I've had to like go and correct. It'll be like, you know, xenophobic racist stuff on like uh, archaeologists getting visas to work in a country and like someone will go off on a rant about like how horrible it is they're using it to keep keep jobs down you know keep wages down yada yada and you're like mm-hmm. and so you end up spending like two hours debunking this and mm-hmm. this closed group that honestly if the person had just like done even the most basic of research basic like i i'm sorry i'm exasperated <laughs> on like how how like I'm pretty sure everyone like survived university Googling things like how they couldn't just like Google before you talk. I don't know. Google mm-hmm. before you post yeah. should be like a rule on like all those groups. I, I just, that that's where I hate, like I've, I've dropped off cause it's, it's the same thing. And it's, and it also, it gives the same, same level of voice. And I'm not saying like, this is, there's trade-offs on this, but like the stupidest voice has the same reach Probably actually because of algorithms, the stupidest, most ignorant, most hateful voice will have 10 times, 20 times the reach than the person who might actually be an expert in whatever this question is, or the person who actually like went and spent two minutes Googling it or like have information. And that's, it's what I just hate is like almost all those groups just turn into like, if you see any of the posts in your feeds or anything, it's because it's turned into some sort of hate fest because Someone said something really, really stupid, and then the algorithm amplifies it, and then lots of people say equally stupid things on it. I, it just, I find it as a time waste. There you go, Chris. Okay. That, that's, that's, uh, I, I just, it's a time sink of like my time when 90% of right. it could have been fixed with Google. Yeah. Watch this, Chris. Guess what? Mm-hmm. 
Everyone record this at this moment. I'm going to agree with Doug 100%. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it does it. It, Andrew, it hurts. I know, I know. It, 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 it does, it does. I think I might be having a heart attack, but I'm not sure if we could just call 911. But uh, yeah, man, I, I, I find exactly the same thing. I, I get no joy out of social media. I just don't. Like, that's just the honest truth and i never post on facebook i like never post on twitter i find all those places just quicksand you know mm-hmm. where you can't do like chris you know what you what you said that oh we should just cut through you know we should just magically cut through it never works <laughs> if you put one line out there like well guys actually how this works is if you do this you get 50 people dogpile on you oh well i guess how do you know college professor you know or yeah whatever you can just it's like a pointless waste of time so the one thing that i do that to kind of circumvent that's really why i have my youtube channel because in youtube i can make a product and like blast it out and then i can deal with the comments in that world which usually aren't nearly as just waste of time joyless Mm -hmm. that they are in the other social media world but that's that's my experience sure Preach. I actually would say I agree with Doug and Andrew as well. However, however, um, it is it's so complicated because I'm I, I I definitely see Chris's side. In fact, I agree with Chris as well. The problem is, is that as people who have a I think a greater perspective because we've seen things from so many different angles and because we have a platform to talk about it. I don't ever comment. Well, I shouldn't say ever, but rarely do I ever, ever comment in these certain pages, right? For archaeology for the same reasons that Andrew was just saying and Doug is they just dogpile on you and then you become the evil villain or whatever. And, and nobody wants to listen anyway, but I would say that for as many people as post, I would say there's probably three times as many people that are reading and are looking and are learning. So that's where, for me, I think that we need to offer other media options, just like Andrew was saying, the YouTube, you know, the the Archeo Podcast Network, because what's sad is that new people that are entering the field are watching and reading this crap. Um, and some of it is just like so we were talking about before we started virtue signaling, all this, you know, stuff to they're, they're more, much more concerned about everybody hearing them than they are about actually having some kind of a crowdsourced let's learn from each other mm-hmm. opportunity. That's not where they're going. And so true. It's, disgusting actually it's really it's very frustrating and then what they do is they're putting these false narratives out there for for new people in the field and i think another option is just exactly what andrew and doug and bill do is like getting them right at the beginning in their career at the university level teaching people that this is not this is not correct and on top of that the people that are on social media uh, i think the younger ones are are so savvy to some of this. So if they're a person who really just wants to know the truth, I think they see through that BS. But, you know, I guess probably all this just argues why it's a a time suck (laughs) and it's not Mm -hmm. productive. But I do think we do look at it because it's really good opportunity to pull uh, information for, you know, looking at podcast topics and doing things that are relevant that people are talking about. And so... That's why I look at it. I don't really comment. Okay. I mean, those are all definitely valid opinions. And we're going to end this segment actually real shortly here because we're not going to spend the whole time talking about this. But I, I will just say, I actually agree with you guys as well. It, there is a, it, it is really bad over there. And I actually mostly don't even comment on Archeo Field Tech stuff either. I, but that's for me with like Facebook posts. Like when I get to a Facebook post, I'm not on Facebook all the time. So when I see it, even in like some of the RVing groups we're in and the the group specializing specializing in like the RV we have, if I see somebody ask a question and it's already got like 70 comments, like what am I going to contribute? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the they, time or nothing. they they won't even see it. <laughs> 
Right, right. But if I yeah. see a if I see a comment that has like or a question or something that has like no comments or a couple, then I might jump in and be like, okay, well, yes. you know, here's here's what I think about that. But that being said, I, I think it is still it is still valuable for people who, even if you don't comment, if you just read some of this stuff and you say, you know what, that is bad, that is negative for the field, and report the comment to the admins because not mm-hmm. a lot, not enough people are doing that. And if the admins look at it and say, yeah, that is totally false information, and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of that. This isn't a democracy, right? This is a group run by three people, and we can bring in other people. It was started by I don't even know who started it to be honest with you, but it was. There's three admins now and we have a group chat and we talk about everything that we we take out of there. Not one of us makes that decision. So it's just how it is in that group. But I still think that ignoring the fact that that so many people use this as a as a resource for, you know, trying to improve how they work in the field and trying to cut through the crap, even though they probably could have Googled it. But the problem is there's not enough resources out there to actually Google for some of this stuff. You know, how many people have written a blog post about the best field boats to use in the southeast? Probably not that many. Most of that information is here on Archeo Field Techs. So, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's not that, it's not that big. I know there's some other comments out there, guys, but we really have to end this segment and move on to the next one. If we want to keep this going, we can, but otherwise we'll be back in a minute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah. That's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Serum Archaeology Podcast, episode 265. And, you know, we were only intending to talk about the toxicity of Facebook posts for a little while, but we have spent a whole segment <laughs> now <laughs> where we said where most of the hosts were like, I don't go in there and give my opinions. We're going to do that exact thing right now. So we're going to talk about a post that was in, <laughs> that was in Archeo field text. Um, some of us saw it and it was just a, it was actually fairly recent. I don't, it wasn't within the last few weeks, I think. And you have the ability on Facebook. Oh yeah. 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 You have the ability <clears throat> on Facebook now in in private groups, which kind of shocks me, if the group is private, you wouldn't think this would be an option, but you have the ability for the last, like, I don't know, four or five months to post anonymously and anybody can do it. Right. And here's the thing. The anonymous posts have to be approved by moderators. I don't know if you knew that, but if somebody decides to post anonymously, we get to read it first and say, okay, yeah, they can, they can post this anonymously. So like if somebody tries to post a bunch of, a bunch of hate speech, hate speech anonymously, and they don't want to be crucified for it, then obviously we're not going to let that through. Right. So at least there is some moderation there, but I still don't understand why you would post anonymously in a private group. And I was wrong too. With the number of people in this group, I said 2,500. I hadn't looked at it in a while. There's over 4,000 people in this group. So, uh, you know, a lot of them probably aren't in there anymore. I think Doug's Doug's child is in this group as well. I'm not really sure. but uh, <laughs> That was a cute little scream. <laughs> yeah. I think that was Doug. Sorry, guys. I'll, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try to, to mute it. She's she's around. She, she'd like to, to join the podcast. I told her she needs to be a little bit older. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Yeah. But Chris, do you actually see who's posting or is it just come through as anonymous, like anonymous to you? For a very short period of time, it came in as, as anonymous to us too. But I actually just noticed on the last one that I approved that I can see who's posting it. Mm. So, yeah. So it's not anonymous to the moderators. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The only time... Side, <clears throat> side thing. Yeah. The yeah. only time I think that that is fair is if somebody's asking a question that could put 
their job in jeopardy. And, and it is a legitimate question and they really mm-hmm. are looking for help, you know, from the, from the hive, right? That's 4,000 sure. people. That's a lot of people that yeah. can give you some input. Yeah. And you know, the thing people need to remember too, while we're getting ready to jump right into this is it's not just archaeo field techs, right? And the, the group is intended to be field technicians in archaeology. And it was kind of started in California. So a lot of California archaeologists were in there first, but now it's, it's kind of all over the country. And it's not just field techs. There's a lot of company PIs that are in there. Heather, you're one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm one of them for that matter. So there's, there's a lot of people now, now, granted, people come up in their career, right? So they may have started in the group as a field tech. It's been around for a long time and now they're not anymore. But I know for a fact that I've had people that I know that run companies or that are uh, PIs of companies actually messaged me privately and said, you know, can I join this group and post job posts and stuff over there? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I guess if people don't like it, they'll moderate it. <laughs> they'll, they'll report it. <laughs> so, right. you know, I, I try not to moderate that kind of stuff. And then the other moderators don't either. So we'll basically let anybody who's in archaeology in. So it's kind of needs to be renamed, to be honest with you. It's no longer really archaeo field techs. It's, uh, it's archaeologists and mostly North American archaeologists. So anyway, with that being said, there was a post that we wanted to give our opinions on that Heather noticed, and uh, she's going to paraphrase that for us right now. So, boy, paraphrase. Can I just read it? You can just read it if you want. It was posted anonymously. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't it's feel, anonymous, I think. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter who, I think, you, know, you can't tell who did it. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to understanding the the reason why I want to respond the way I want to respond and, and why I think it was a good inspiration for this topic. So, here it goes. From an anonymous member in Archeo Field Techs. Anybody else move from the field to crew managing in a Cushing office and have intense guilt? I'm struggling with it right now as summer is coming up and my office temperature doesn't change, but outside where my crews are definitely is. The last thing I want to become is like some of my past PIs where they didn't understand or care about outdoor conditions and how brutal they can be. Close quote. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I've, I've got lots of feelings about this. <laughs> and it could be that this person is just new to PI, quote unquote, to being a principal investigator. And I don't know, I mean, you go into different areas of the country and the definition of principal investigator is different. That that was enough. That's another topic I was talking, considering talking about is the titles that people have. And for those that are new in the business, just so you know, titles are really mean nothing in this business, except sure. for when you're, you have a permit and they have a requirement for what you call yourself. And if you meet their their definition of what that title or what that role is. So a principal investigator could be a senior archaeologist, could be, you know, a lead, project lead, that sort of thing. So, you know, everybody can, they can post what they want. I I just, I had a little trouble with this post because personally, I think that it continues to promote exactly what this anonymous poster is saying they're trying to avoid, which is, this concept that principal investigators are lofty, sitting in a cushy office with no challenges whatsoever. And <laughs> meanwhile, their field crew is sweating and walking around lugging 100 pound loads through a wilderness in 125 degree heat. And, you know, I'm mm-hmm. exaggerating, but that isn't anything I've ever seen. I, I haven't seen it. And yeah. the fact that this is, it's assuming that this is the norm. And a lot of these comments, although there's some people that push back, a lot of these comments say the same thing. They're just per- perpetuating this, this narrative that, you know, PIs and project managers uh, uh, have no feeling or thought or consideration of crew f- conditions. And, and basically the crew they're the innocent bystanders that have no agency in their own in their own life. <laughs> they're the victims. Yeah. So uh, it just it kind of bothered me. But, you know, I, I'm not going to assume this person's purpose. I can't. But I do think that the message it gives is is not good. And it's not good for our 
mm-hmm. you know, for, for our discipline for CRM. Yeah. Because it's just simply not true. I, I think I'm going to stop there and let people chime in and then <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, every time I see something like this where somebody's talking about, you know, well, I don't want to be like one of those people that does this thing. Uh, and they make this generalization about uh, generally about a group of people. Right. Because uh, you, you always hear mm-hmm. things about, oh, there's the there's the managers that always did this. There's the company owners that always did this. And tw- to be honest, it's never the field techs that did this. It's always the the people in the right. upper parts that did this. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's it's always curious to me because it's like, well, first off, you know, I, I'm, I, this is probably why I've been fired from several jobs, but I'm like, why don't you just name these people and, and publicly shame them if they're actually doing sh- such shitty things for archaeology, right? Like, I, I really do think that if we want to make the world a better place, then, you know, we should me too them out of archaeology. If that's what you really, really want, then stop just complaining about it and generalizing and let's fix the problem. You know what I mean? So there's that little aspect of it first. But the other thing is, I mean, who actually is so out of touch that they think that everybody above them thinks that they've forgotten what the field is like. It's just that they have yeah. other concerns pretty much like you did, Heather. I mean, you, you can't say, well, we're not going to go in the work in that area because you know, it's, it's too hard. You know, we're just not going to do it, but you hey. do that. If you do that field text, you're not going to have a job. I mean, it's real simple. Right. Yeah. We can't and your company's make, not going to exist. In this, <laughs> yeah, we're in this discipline. We know what we got into. There are OSHA rules out there. And I do, I, I mean, are there, is there no one that's not following OSHA? Of course not. There's always bad apples, right? But yeah. but to assume that it's across the board, which is definitely what people act like on some of these, you know, forums yeah. is that it's across the board. It's not. There's, there's, there's laws, regulations. I've worked for lots of companies. I've never seen that. Yeah. There's pathways for you to yes. approach people when those laws and regulations are not being followed. There's, you know, there's the SHPO, there's RPA, there's whatever agency you're working for. There's the Better Business Bureau. There's, there's all kinds of places. Now it's hard. You got to, you actually got to think about doing these it's yeah, HR resources for the company. For yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's pathways for you to deal with that, Andrew. Well, I'm going to be doing the rest of this podcast anonymously. So uh, <laughs> if you guys could just, you know, respect me. Yeah. That's no not- problem. So, I would say, man, when I hear this kind of stuff, I'm like, okay, then why don't you just turn off the air conditioning and then like keep doing your job? If you're so like beaten down by the weight of possibly trying to be this cliche that you've like constructed in your own mind, it's like, stop it, stop it and stop it. You know, that's why I'm doing this podcast anonymously, by the way, nice. this, this kind of stuff, it, it it drives me nuts. And I, I will say, uh, as an aside, I wouldn't even be this harsh if we knew the person's name. You know, it's because it's anonymous, because I don't believe in like dogpiling on somebody in any kind of media. Right. So I'm, I'm not here to, like, make the person overtly feel bad. So I I feel OK being blunt, you know, uh, uh, about this. But that's just what I would say. I'm like, come on. I agree with you guys. You know, I agree with everything Heather just said. I mean, it's it's part of the job. It, it's not that the PIs are sitting on their throne in their castle, you know, while the serfs are out there doing all the manual labor all day and night. It's much more complex. It's much more nuanced. And the only way that I would, in a backwards way, defend them is maybe they truly don't know this. You know, maybe they Mm -hmm. don't know the positions and stuff. I'll say that when I first started CRM, I had no guidance in terms of the possible roles in CRM, how me as a field tech could ever go into the quote unquote office. I didn't understand any of that. Nobody ever told me that there were like different positions, you know, and what the ladder was like of success in this world. Nobody Mm -hmm. told me any of that. So I can feel a little for the person in terms of if they're totally ignorant about that stuff like I was. But even with that said, they've still gone a little too far over the top. (laughs) Doug. So, uh, yeah, man, like actually it it moves on nicely from Andrew's thing. I think actually this is, this slightly goes back to, I'll, I'll pull in our first segment with this segment. One of the problems also with like the social media things is that it's highly biased. When you see questions like this 
or people's experiences, you get a very biased, a very one-sided sort of view. So like this person may be thinking that this, this might be their only experience Mm -hmm. uh, as Andrew was saying. And so to them, I mean, this is what they think archaeology is. I mean, was it not last year, uh, Louisiana Mm -hmm. tech died from stroke. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like there, this is one view, but I, I do find this is like, again, one of the issues with sort of the social media is that, any of those groups are self-selecting and biased in a way. And it, it, a lot of the groups will come off with this sort of view and, and present as like, oh, this is the archaeofield text. You're, you're going to get a range of views about different things and it'll be helpful. But actually, you're not. So like, if you saw a lot of people agreeing with this uh, post, um, I'll be honest, guys, it's been a while since I've been on Facebook, so I didn't go and check it out. Mm-hmm. But like, if, if you're seeing a lot of people agree with it, yes, that might be it, but it's probably a biased sample. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, this is the experience, and that's, that's just it. Is like You also end up with sort of – that's why dogpiling happens so easily because if you were to give an alternative view of what's happening, that's not the view of that biased sampling, and they are absolutely going to hate you for giving a different view because it's not it's not what they're used to yeah yeah well so so the thing is is that uh, you know we call it virtue signaling right when somebody is saying that this is the purpose of the post but it really smacks of not (laughs) like so let's 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 look at this post and i'll and then we can move on to the next segment but you know specifically when if this person came on and they were trying to, okay, how can I improve my, like, are you really posting because you truly feel guilt? Are you really sitting in your office and feeling guilty? If that was the case, like if you really felt that way, I, I, I just, I question it. Not that it's my place, but I can say what I want. So, um, (laughs) so, but I think if, if your intent is to improve, for this not to be the case, for the people in the crew, or, you know, the crew to not be under those kind of conditions. Honestly, if you came from that perspective and you don't want to have those kind of conditions for your crew, just make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, you see some responses like that, uh, a response to this post, quite a few of them, actually. But if you really are looking for options to make sure that your crew doesn't have these issues then maybe that's your question, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but it's Facebook and people can post what they want to post. And my main thing and the reason I want it, that's more just, um, I, I didn't want to call out. It wasn't calling somebody out for posting something like this. It just was an inspiration for uh, the topic of how can we close the gap between yeah. field and office? And that's what we're going to tackle in the next segment. Sounds good. We'll be back in a minute. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 265. We're wrapping up this topic on closing that gap between field personnel and, and office personnel, and especially when you transition from that. I do got to mention just a couple things, though. There's like 32 comments as of May 21st when we're recording this. There's like 32 comments on this post. And I would honestly say that 95% of them are largely positive as far as not positive that they're positive comments, but positive as though they're, they're answering the question in a way that I think might help the poster. You know what I mean? Some mm-hmm. of them are 
get over it. You'll be fine. And some of them are like, well, you're recognizing this and that's the first step to not doing what your superiors have done in the past and things like that. Right. A few people that are posting some snarky responses, which you could you can expect. Right. Mm hmm. And then Bill, I'll say this because he would have said it on the podcast if he was able to make it today. But his response was no, <laughs> just just no. <laughs> and that's true. Like maybe you just you come from one spot, you come into the next spot and, and you have different responsibilities and you just have different things to worry about and think about. Not that you're not thinking about the field crew, but, you know, you're not going to send them into a, you know, a smoking volcanic caldera. Right. I mean, you're going to you're still going to be conscious of that, but you're also you're also relying on the people that are between you and the field crew, like the field directors and the, um, you know, the project managers, if you're a PI and the crew chiefs to have that sort of responsibility. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's my little rant on that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I, I want, we only have a few minutes to actually really tackle this subject. <laughs> I think we'll mm -hmm. do a high level. So this concept that there's this huge gap between field and office, I do think that that sometimes that's that is the case because you may have, let's say, companies that are doing work away from their corporate office. So their PIs or their senior archaeologists, or the people, the project managers who are running the actual project or who have yeah running the project on a higher level are in another state and the crew you know, there's just separation, actual physical separation, which then leads to an actual gap in skills or not skills, sorry, uh, tasks. So, but generally, I don't think that that's the case most of the time. And so are there separations between field and an office? Certainly there are, but I wanted to argue for the fact that I, I personally think that that's not the best avenue. And, and mm -hmm. I think some sometimes people do it because it's just the easier <laughs> or that's just the way that it's always been. Right. There are some explanations that I want to give from a from a management perspective that people may not consider if they're in the field. And one thing is, is that in the field, it requires a lot of people, right? A lot more people than it does in the office to write things up, to even to do the analysis, the lab analysis. It takes always takes much more people, many more people to actually get the field work done. And so when you're looking at budgets and as much as people say, you know what, the hell with a budget, you should pay people this much and they should be paid the same amount as the people that are in the office and da, da, da. That's not the way it goes. And if we went that way or if your company went that way, they would not have work and therefore the employees don't have work, Right. So right. we have to look at this and have some balance here. And one thing is, is that when you, the more people that require are required for a task, the less money that those people that are conducting that task are going to make because mm -hmm. you have, you're spending so much. I mean, it, that's not a, a rule across the board, but generally it is right. So you need a lot more people to survey and it's a combination of how many people are dipping into that budget and the skill set that it requires to accomplish that task, right? So yeah. if you have somebody who has a very refined skill set, a skill set that not many people have and requires a certain level of education, and there are tasks like that, I don't care what people say, there are tasks like that, then those people are going to get paid more. They're just going to. And the people... In, in the crew, you know, surveying, if it doesn't require a very specific task like GPR and things like that, they're going to get paid less. And if you want to make more in it, you know, at a job, then you're going to have to step outside of 100% in the field. You'll never cross that barrier if you are in the mm. field 100% of the time. You, right. you need to have other skill sets. Now, it doesn't mean that a project manager can't be in the field but you that's the way life works. I mean, as you build up your <laughs> knowledge and your skill set, you get paid more money. <laughs> that's the way it works. So, you know, that's one thing that people need to understand. You know, I've had people come to me and they're like, I need to make more money. And I I'm sympathetic to that. And I'm I always encourage them, open up your skill set, step outside the field, because you can have you I've seen people that are so skilled, but they're not using the skills. So it's not just about I have the skills. You have to be in a role where you're using the skills. So you have somebody who has an MA, they have a ton of skills. 
yet they only want to be in the field. Well, then you're only going to get paid a certain amount. That's just the way it works. So um, you're not using the skills that you have and therefore you're not going to get paid. So not only do you have to have the skills, but you have to be able to be in a role that you're using the skills if you want to increase your pay. So, you know, I I, I would say, though, with um, with that stuff, I mean, I agree with you, obviously, Heather, but I think one of the problems like I touched on a little bit before is just the ignorance of the actual positions, you know, like I never knew that stuff. And in my Mm -hmm. experience, CRM firms were pretty poor at telling us what is actually out there. What does their company offer? I would love if all CRM firms attention, all CRM firms, if you could just have a single piece of paper that lists the actual positions from like basic field tech to like field supervisor to senior archaeologist, whatever they are, list them all out, list the minimum qualifications for each one. So mm-hmm. me as a as a new archaeologist, I could look at that sheet of paper and go, oh, I could move up if I get this skill set. You know, I've never seen one of those in my life. And well, we I have just, one. My company has one. We we do have that now. Is it is it easy? I, I will say to is it easy to find? Is it obvious or is so, it is it buried in like the new employee handbook? You know, I I, I want it to be like front and center. Yeah, and you know what the thing is, sometimes exactly what you're saying. If you don't know to ask, you're not going to get it right. And so yeah, but it, if there's a difference, if you're as needed, it's not offered to you. Uh, not that it's not open to you. It's just not something that's offered to you. If you are a part-time or full-time employee, yes, every single one knows about it because we talk about it at your mid-year and end-year review, or we bring it up over the year if you're a good manager. So mm-hmm. yeah, we do have that. We have a career pathing is what we call it and right. very specific rubric. It's on, it's a table and there's a rubric, but you're expected. If you want to move up, here's are the skills that you need to acquire in okay. order to move up. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. Cause I found in teaching the CRM class that I just finished, it was really hard for me to find a typical list, you know, yeah. of what the positions in a CRM firm actually are. And I think that also goes to CRM firms themselves. There's some more larger ones that'll have these positions, but then the smaller firms will just be like, yeah, we just hire some people and they work with us and, you know, like companies that are run by a single person. So there is variety in company size. Society for California Archaeology actually has something like that. And what's a problem is the Office of Historic Preservation has kind of stepped away from having these specific criteria for different levels. They only they have just like the bare minimum, you're either this or that. And maybe that's part what's contributing to this concept of having this huge gap between crew and PI yeah. right? or senior archaeologist. Yeah. Doug, did you have something you wanted to say? It was it was actually to follow on that. And you guys sort of touched on it. Is that like, I think the poster and also us are making assumptions about there being a difference between office and field. And as Andrew had mentioned, a lot of the smaller firms, which, you know, there's several hundred, I think at one count, there's over a thousand quote unquote firms, which a lot of those are just like one or two people, or they bring people on as is. And like, there's such a huge range. And like, Andrew, actually, it's a huge problem. It's like, like when I do that job stuff and looking at wages, it's actually a, a big problem because I, I kind of, I've created categories and we stuff people into those categories because they're close. But close is not the same. And like, there's not one universal, like, that person talking, like, we're kind of assuming that, you know, all companies, you you become an office person, you do nothing but the office, but not all companies are like that, or all organizations. And there's a huge mix and a huge range. And while I appreciate, like, a a document would be amazing, you're probably going to end up with, like, so there's what a thousand firms, like fifteen hundred different documents, just because it's yeah. archaeologists and yeah. you know, like there's no. Doug, there I totally some, appreciate what you're saying. It's true, but yeah, I, I would rather have that than nothing because I was totally well, in the dark about that stuff. 
Weren't you saying where you, I thought, I assumed that what you were talking about is that each company has that. So if each company has that, then you know how the structure works in that company. So, you know, um, and I think that's why the Office of Historic Preservation has not provided something like that for exactly why Doug, what Doug is saying is that there, it would be impossible to get something that covers everything. And so, but I do think it's possible on a company level for companies to be transparent in what is available out there. My perspective and how we work on the team that I manage, I truly believe that the best way to train and bring up people and and also give them a perspective and let them enjoy what they're doing is to have a combination of crew of, of tasks for everybody that works on the team. There are people that are strictly, Heather, I really don't want to do anything but be in the field. Okay, well, that's fine. And I respect that. But I always encourage people to have a varied skill set. And I, I like them to follow. I like us as a team to follow a project from start to finish. So they're part of the process. And in fact, when there's questions, let's say the team, we're starting a project and the team says, Heather, are we doing this, this and this? And I'm like, it's in the proposal. So from the very beginning, they're grabbing that proposal. They're looking at the proposal and the proposal says, okay, this is our our record search radius. This is, you know, what the transects are for the survey. This is what we can expect. And so from the very beginning, they get this perspective of what, what is, um, you know, what is entailed for this project. And if somebody's writing a proposal that isn't just cookie cutter and, and, you know, but actually is customized to the project, then that's a good first start for people that are in the crew. Then the next thing would be the research design and then, you know, moving throughout the project and then they do the field work. I think the best people for writing up field work are for writing up that section and all the field work and the environment are the people that were in the field. That's just the best way. So in, from my personal perspective, so then that allows, not only is that a, give a better perspective and you don't have gaps in your report where people in the office are writing and have no idea what the field looked like. I mean, they could have looked at it on Google Earth. It still doesn't give you a really good idea of what was out there. So having people be a part of a project from start to finish not only provides a better report, it gives perspective to everybody that's on the team. It helps them understand why we do what we do. And it also allows them to, you know, to look forward and say, oh, you know what? This is something maybe I would like to do. Just like what Andrew was saying. It gives them a window into maybe other, other avenues for their career in archaeology. I think what we're coming on to is that communication is probably key. Like the issue of this thing is probably a level of communication because as we've talked about like a lot of companies are different so you're going to have different aspects that's going to change and like we're also kind of assuming that a company stays the same and that your job stays the same and like you could have the same job title and be doing something very different than what you did five years before just because companies grow the sector changes life moves on I think if we were to go back to this 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 top level, you know, this communication between, uh, or this this issue of you know, in the office versus field staff, I think what probably this person's the heart of the problem is is actually just poor communication or poor leadership, and that if they've had this view that the people in the office just don't care and stuff, I, I think they're probably not having what you've just described, Heather, about mm -hmm. how you communicate the entire project to everyone and that the idea that even if it's not necessarily totally relevant to what you're doing, you have an overview of a project and that helps. And I suspect, really, if we were to suggest one solution to this problem is it's actually just probably more internal communication within organizations or companies or I don't know, whatever you want to call it to uh, would probably help alleviate a lot of these problems. I totally agree with you, Doug. And now I've agreed with you so many times on this podcast, Doug, that I'm just, I'm a little lightheaded. <laughs> oh man, it, 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 like you, you should really go to your doctor, Andrew, and, and check to see if like, yeah, that, that heart right there, that, that murmur uh, I, feeling is I know. irregular heartbeats. Yeah. So yeah. The, to wrap, to wrap this up, if, 
if this individual anonymous individual is in front of me, I would personally, I just think, you know, exactly what a lot of the posters or responders said was, you know, if you see an issue, then do what you have to do to make it different. I mean, that's where you should look at it and say, you know what, here's my opportunity to make it different. If you really, truly had nothing but negative experiences in the field and you felt that previous your past PIs were abusive, well, then don't be that and move on because that's the best way to change the dynamic uh, across the board. And you can only control what you can control. So control your own little world, make that piece of life better for yourself and others. And there's your answer. Last, last two seconds. It's somewhat not related at all. It's just like we'd use the term virtuous signaling a couple of times. And mm-hmm. I prefer the term mm-hmm. mooning because I, I, I prefer it's like it's people are like, wait, mooning. I'm like, yeah, stop mooning. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, showing the world that you're an ass. I, I find most wow. of that virtual signaling stuff is, 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 is more about like just showing the world that you're an ass. Nice. Okay. Well, with that, I have included a lot of resources and to be honest, they're the resources I have access to, which are from the blog that I used to write. I had a lot of posts actually about leadership and different things when I started my own company and that journey that I, I went through doing that and some of the things that I encountered. And then also I found three CRM archaeology episodes that I might I think might actually be a little bit helpful. If some of our hosts have other references they want to drop into our show notes, then they'll do that. Otherwise, there's a lot of really good stuff there, including a link to the Archaea Field Text group on Facebook if you are not in there and don't know how to search. You can just click right here and it'll take you straight there. So with that, I think we'll end this episode and, you know, keep posting over there. We, we always ask people to send in comments or send in questions, really, and things they want to learn. And, you know, we might get one every month or a couple of months or something like that. It's not really that much, which I totally understand. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I literally never respond to anything because, you know, I'm driving or I'm doing something. I just forget. So I, I don't begrudge anybody that. But keep in mind, we are watching some of these other resources and we like using them for, you know, starting discussions like this one. So if that's how you want to do it, you can even tag us in a post if you want us to maybe see something more specifically if we're in the same group that you are. Otherwise, we're paying attention and uh, we will see you next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. See you guys next time. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Bye. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Come.